special edition of the JP Hoops podcast brought to you by Book It Sports. As always, it's your boy Justin Pora. Huge news to recap after the NBA trade deadline passed yesterday, Thursday, March 25th. Have a lot to break down. A lot of moves were made and a lot of moves weren't made. We'll break down the winners and losers of the trade deadline and I'll give all my thoughts on the biggest moves of the day of the week of the season up to this point but before we do that let's give a shout out to book it sports the number one social media community for all things sports gambling get my daily nba picks i had three picks yesterday two of them hit and the two that hit were both on the lakers and 76ers game i had the sixes spread i had the under both of them cash and the wizards absolutely choked to the knicks I only took that play because the public was heavy on the New York Knicks, but that doesn't matter. Get all of my picks, all of my rage, all of my thoughts on the NBA games of the day on the Book It Sports app. Go and check it out in the Apple and Android store. All right, NBA trade deadline was yesterday. Recording this Friday afternoon, March 26th at exactly noon right now. So all of the moves of the trade deadline have been made official. Players will be joining their teams over the weekend into early next week. And I would be remiss if I did not start with the Miami Heat. Obviously my favorite team. I'll put it all into perspective. They made a couple of big moves. Probably the singular biggest move of the day was acquiring Victor Oladipo from the Rockets. Now, Oladipo on his third team this season which is really crazy he's been getting passed around he obviously was with the Pacers in the beginning of the season moved to Houston through the James Harden trade and now he is with the Miami Heat and I think it is a perfect home for Victor Oladipo he is very different than any other player we have on the roster in Miami he's not a shooter purely like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero are. He's not necessarily an aggressor on the defensive side of the ball like Jimmy Butler, but he's kind of a combination of both. And I think that he will fit the role of depth at the guard and small forward position because he could kind of play everywhere. The Heat have the opportunity to start him at a point guard position. They could start him at shooting guard. They could start him at small forward However, they decide to put the lineup out. And when you have Kendrick Nunn, who looks like he has a starting role on this team. Duncan Robinson is a shooter who could start or come off the bench. Tyler Hero seems to really have that six-man role secured with Miami. And then, of course, you have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo will start every single game. Now you add Trevor Ariza. The Heat also traded for Belka. I'm sorry if I pronounce his name wrong, but I know he is a pretty good shooter coming from Sacramento. Now, Victor Oladipo will find a role on this Miami Heat team, and Spolster is going to love him. I think there's a lot of Dwayne Wade in Victor Oladipo. 
Not to say that Oladipo is in any way, shape, or form as talented as Dwayne Wade, but I think he has a very similar style of game. He has a very similar attitude of how to go about things. And now, I think on his third team this season, Oladipo is going to play with a huge chip on his shoulder, and he will play some of the best basketball he ever has with the Miami Heat. And yes, on a contract year, the Heat were lucky to win this trade by not giving up a lot. They gave up Avery Bradley, who they brought in over the offseason, never really saw real playing time due to injury and whatnot. And they got rid of Kelly Olynyk, who, yes, played a big role as a valued big man on the team as that's really the area that the Heat struggle with in terms of depth. But I think the price was right for Oladipo. The Heat bring him in. He's going to play with a huge chip on his shoulder. I expect if he does play as well as I think he will, he will wind up staying in Miami. He'll find a legitimate home in South Beach. And I think that it will be a very good fit. Probably the best fit I see that was made on the trade deadline. So a huge move for the Miami Heat. I think they're one of the true winners of the trade deadline. They also got in Bellica from Sacramento. Didn't give up much for him. Got Trevor Ariza last week. And these are guys that are going to play key roles down the stretch as the Miami Heat are looking to make a push for the Eastern Conference. I'll get into that more when I break down the full winners and losers at the deadline. Another huge trade that was made. And the Orlando Magic were involved in probably two or three of the top five moves of the day. Unloaded an all-star Nikola Vucevic. They ship him out to Chicago. Now, it's really interesting what Chicago is trying to do. As the Bulls are a 10 seed in the Eastern Conference, they have an all-star in Zach Levine. They have good young players in marketing and Kobe White. A lot of people were speculating that the Bulls were shipping marketing for whatever reason because he is a good young player. But they wind up holding on to him. They bring in another big man who is a proven all-star, Nikola Vucevic. Now in the last two seasons, they give up a young, promising big man in Wendell Carter Jr., who now goes to Orlando as they're trying to form a complete rebuild in Disneyland. Excuse me, Disney World. Disneyland is in California, Disney World, over in Orlando, Florida. But looking at it from a Bulls perspective, You need to make a compelling argument for why Zach Levine should stay there and why you can acquire free agents. Because you're really not paying anybody. And now you bring in another proven all-star who I think has a role on just about every team in the league. He can score well. He's one of the better rebounders in the NBA. He has a high field goal percentage. What's not to like about Nikola Vucevic? And now you pair him with the Zach Levine... You could get the ball inside and now kind of spread the rest of the floor with the shooters you have. Now I think this is a team that is going to make a push for the Eastern Conference playoffs. And Billy Donovan is a coach that I have a lot of trust in. And with the moves that are being made, you know, the Bulls are trying to kind of rebrand their entire team. They haven't been good in a legitimate 10 years since Derrick Rose was running things over in Chi-Town. And now you have Levine, Vucevic, Kobe White, Laurie Marketing. This team needs to be good. 
You have a pair of all-stars. Not all of these teams we're talking about in the Eastern Conference do have a pair of all-stars. Time for excuses is over. Got to start winning some basketball games. They're the worst fourth quarter team in the entire NBA. They get out to these leads and they blow them in just straight out embarrassing fashion. And now is the time to win some of these games. And now that you added a guy like Vucevic, a very stable center, not going to have any issues. He will be a starter in that lineup for every single game as long as he's healthy. It's got to get done. And I believe that it is going to benefit both sides huge in the long run. Because I think as long as the Bulls can keep Zach Levine happy and healthy, and the same thing with Vucevic, I think you really only have to worry about keeping him healthy because he should be happy there, moving into a bigger market, going to get more of the recognition that maybe he wasn't getting with the Magic. And I think this is a great move for the Chicago Bulls. And it kind of builds a foundation for what they're trying to eventually reach in the future, which is getting back to the status of a Michael Jordan run team, a Derrick Rose run team. Now you're in a position to get a superstar as you have two stars already there building that foundation. Another move that the Magic made as they are trying to go into a complete rebuild mode. They got rid of Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon requested a trade out of Orlando. 24-year-old player, a lot of potential, only averaging 12.5 points per game this year. But the big thing that I brought up on the Tuesday episode is that this is a guy who, you know, has increased his three-point percentage from 30% last year to 40% this year. And now he finds a home in Denver. And he will provide depth at the power forward and center positions. He's a great defender. You put him now alongside Nicole Jokic, who is the best big man in the entire NBA. Probably the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP race with Embiid and LeBron James dealing with some injuries. Now you have Aaron Gordon, who is a guy that Mike Malone could say, Go out there and defend this player and get it done. And I think that's what Denver was missing. They needed someone with a chip, a guy who could defend, someone who could kind of just run around and make an opponent's best player miserable. And as long as Aaron Gordon buys in, it will be a great move for Denver. However, what is very interesting to me is that Orlando had Aaron Gordon, they had Nikola Vucevic, they unloaded Evan Fournier to Boston, which I'll get to in a little bit, and they also have good young players. So why, why, why wasn't this team winning any games? And why do we think we have this notion of Aaron Gordon that he's an elite player? Why? Because we saw him dominate the dunk contest? Because... We keep hearing he has a lot of potential. This is our Orlando Magic team that always barely peeks into the playoffs, maybe wins one game, and then that's their ceiling. Well, now Aaron Gordon is going to a situation in Denver where there's a clear alpha in Nicole Jokic. There's a clear number two in Jamal Murray. There is no way Mike Malone is the problem 
because of what the team did last year and even the year before nearly making it to a Western Conference Finals and then obviously making it last season. So if Aaron Gordon can't succeed in Denver, then he officially becomes the problem. He's the one that requested the trade out of Orlando. And Denver needed to make a move to address the depth issue at their big man position. Well, now they get Aaron Gordon. It should be a great match made in heaven. However, now it's put up or shut up time for Aaron Gordon. This move needs to work out for him. Because we keep hearing about all this potential. Yes, he's still young. But now he's joining a team that feels they're a legitimate contender in the Western Conference. And who knows what type of role he's going to play. Is he going to start behind Michael Porter Jr. and Paul Millsap? Is he going to come off the bench? Who really knows? But I'll tell you this. If he is unhappy with his role there, then there's no point in having a discussion that this guy is a player meant for a championship-level team. I think that's what Denver tried to do with the move to because they obviously think he is one of those players. They gave up a couple of great young players. Gary Harris was great when he played in Denver, obviously deals with a lot of injury issues. And RJ Hampton was someone they obviously thought very high of, drafted him in the top 15 this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles the situation, what they really think of Aaron Gordon, and how Aaron Gordon is going to rise to the occasion in the Mile High City. I think it's a good move, but we really have to see what Aaron Gordon is made of, and I think that will determine how the deal goes for Denver, and I think Orlando got as much as they could for him. You got to respect what Orlando has done. They went all in on a rebuild. Sometimes you're half in, sometimes you're all in. An example of a team being half in, I think, is the Toronto Raptors. They get rid of Norman Powell, who's a good young wing player. They get him over to Portland. They get Rodney Hood and Gary Trent in return. Some guys that not necessarily good young players, but, you know, players that can help out their team now. And I think the bigger story coming out of Toronto is that they don't get rid of Kyle Lowry, who's on the last year of his contract, who is a proven veteran leader, championship-level point guard, someone who for no reason would re-sign in Toronto after next year, because Toronto is a team that you look at and would think would be all in on a rebuild. You have the good, young, talented players and Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, to build the team around. Then you try to get a good young player for Norman Powell. I don't know if you got good young players. You got good players. Rodney Hood's been in this league for a minute now. And you try to get a good young player for Kyle Lowry, but they were too firm on their asking price. They tried to get Tyler Hero from the Miami Heat, which they weren't going to do because they're able to get Victor Oladipo obviously for a lot cheaper. And then they go to the Lakers and demand Talon Horton Tucker, which if I'm the Lakers, I'm doing that deal. 
But obviously, if it was a sticking point for the Lakers, the Raptors weren't going to budge for anything less. So the fact that Lowry doesn't get dealt to me is the most surprising move that didn't happen of the day. And now the Raptors are kind of stuck in this purgatory where they got some good players. They're probably going to make the playoffs. No one's going to expect them to do anything in the playoffs. And then next year you're losing Kyle Lowry for nothing. And I think that's where Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors really messed up. Because you could have gotten at least something for Kyle Lowry. The Sixers were interested. The Heat were interested. The Clippers were interested. And the Lakers were interested. And in the end, a deal doesn't get done. Pretty shocking to me. I don't really understand Toronto's direction with what they're trying to do. I think this was a perfect opportunity to unload them. However, they're going to wind up sticking with them. Probably losing the first round of the playoffs. And then Lowry will most likely leave for nothing. So I mentioned the Clippers who tried to make a run at Kyle Lowry. And they pulled off one of the most surprising moves of the deadline. And I think it shocked everybody. Because I don't know if anyone thought that either of these two guys were on the market. Rajon Rondo from the Atlanta Hawks now goes to the LA Clippers. And obviously Rondo signed with the Hawks after winning a championship with the Lakers last season. So now he's back in Staples Centers with the opposite team. And the Clippers give up Lou Williams. A guy who has been there for multiple years now. A multiple-time six-man-of-the-year winner. People think of him as the third scorer on that Clippers team. Even though he comes off the bench, he leads that bench unit when Kawhi and Paul George go to the bench. And now... He goes to a up-and-coming Atlanta Hawks team. A team that he's spent time with before. And now he's back. Now, Lou Williams has also been on record saying he would retire if he were traded from Los Angeles. And the Clippers just said, yep, we're done. We can't do this anymore. They needed a point guard who had veteran leadership. Who can... Play point guard, but not necessarily score. More play a position of setting up the big time guys in Kawhi and Paul George. As they're not necessarily bring up the ball, make something happen guys. Now Rajon Rondo serves as a legitimate playmaker. I know that Clippers Twitter is pissed off that they got rid of Lou Williams. I think Rondo is a perfect fit over in L.A. A perfect fit. You know, Reggie Jackson's great and all, but in the end of the day, you need a point guard to distribute, to playmake, to run the offense, and play some defense. And I don't think anyone is better than Rajon Rondo at doing that right now, especially since he is a proven champion who has, you know, Larry O'Brien's under his belt the pedigree of winning the big game, being an aggressor, I think it's a perfect fit. And I understand Lou Williams is a big price to pay. He's someone that's 
been ingrained in the culture of this team for a while now. But at the end of the day, something wasn't working in L.A. And the fact that Lou Williams is someone who just hucks up a bunch of shots, who wasn't necessarily great in the playoff run last season. Now you get Rondo, who has proven the done in the playoffs, who will be able to run the offense. I think it is a great fit. And obviously the Clippers, who were scouting out options for Kyle Lowry, found out that the option that the uh, price for Lowry was way too high. They were looking at Lonzo Ball. Lonzo, thankfully, winds up staying in New Orleans. So they had to make a move, and they were able to get Rondo. And I think it is a match made in heaven for the Clippers. And now you give Trey Young a backcourt partner that really mirrors his type of game, and they're going to be a ton of fun to watch as they have been really hot in the second half of this season, and they make a push for the Eastern Conference playoffs. All right, a couple other moves of the day. Uh, I mentioned the Heat getting Belica from the Kings. The Sixers, another team that was in on the Kyle Lowry deal, they get George Hill. You know, again, they wanted someone like Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry wasn't available at the right price for anybody. It seems like the Raptors were overvaluing him. And the Sixers needed to get a guy to play point guard with a veteran presence, a leadership to him. And they get George Hill from the Sixers, someone who spent time with the Cavs when LeBron James went to the NBA Finals with them. He was on some of those Pacers team back in the early 2010s that were really successful in the Eastern Conference Finals. He was with the Milwaukee Bucks last season. And now he finds a home in Philadelphia. J.J. Redick goes from the Pelicans to the Dallas Mavericks. They add another shooter, someone who was kind of like that Seth Curry role that was in Dallas last year and provides another perimeter threat for when Luka Doncic is able to get to the basket or they find Kristaps Porzingis in the post to be able to get it outside. Some guys that weren't moved that we were speculating about. I mentioned Laurie Marketing earlier. I think it's great now that he's staying in Chicago. He'll be paired next to Vucevic, another you know foreign player, European player, that'll be able to give him some leadership and guidance and hopefully develop him into an all-star. Lonzo Ball, I'm so happy that he is staying in New Orleans. He'll be a restricted free agent next season, and you hope that whatever team gives Lonzo the big deal, that New Orleans is going to match that and keep him there and let him, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson run the show in NOLA. I think it will be one of the most fun teams in the league, and I really want to see it happen. And obviously, Kyle Lowry, not so sure what the Raptors are doing, but Lowry winds up staying put. And another name people were speculating about, I never really bought into it. When I had uh, Jason Goldstein, the host of the Bird's Eye View podcast, a quick note, I was on the Bird's Eye View podcast last night. I believe that episode dropped this morning, so go check it out. Talk some Syracuse hoops, some trade deadline stuff, and the LeBron James injury. Go check it out. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Bird's Eye View. But when he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, we talked about the idea of Kristaps Porzingis possibly being shipped. He obviously was not. He stays in Dallas. And they wind up getting J.J. Redick as they 
look to make some noise in the Western Conference playoff mix, especially now with the Lakers seemingly plummeting from the top of the standings. The West has now opened up completely in my eyes. So let's break down some winners and losers. I talked a lot about the Miami Heat. I think they're the big winner of a team trying to compete. And I think another team in Florida, the Orlando Magic, is the big winner of teams trying to rebuild. They had an absolute fire sale. They get rid of Vucevic. They get rid of Evan Fournier, who goes to Boston. They get rid of Aaron Gordon, who goes to Denver. They get three good, young, promising players in return. Wendell Carter, RJ Hampton, Gary Harris. And then they get draft pick compensation. So now, with those players, they're going to run the draft. And they're going to run it with good young guys. Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz when he comes back from injury. Jonathan Isaac when he comes back from injury. They still have Mo Bamba. They have the three guys I just mentioned they acquired in a trade. They're all in on the rebuild. They now have the pick compensation to either get good young players down the line or possibly make a move for a young superstar in the future. I love what the Magic are doing. They went all in on the rebuild, and I think that was the perfect move for them. And I'm excited to see what Orlando does in the future. I think the Sixers and Clippers both address needs and they didn't give up way too much for it. So I consider them both winners. Yes, the Clippers gave up Lou Williams, who is a sixth man of the year for multiple seasons. And he was a big part of what they were trying to do. However, Rajon Rondo is the perfect fit. Perfect, perfect, perfect fit. Look what he did for the Lakers last season. As a point guard off the bench and a defender, it's just a match made in heaven for the Clippers. They tried to get him over the offseason. He wound up going to Atlanta, and now they're able to get him at the trade deadline. I think it's a perfect move. I don't care that they gave up Lou Williams. The fit seemed kind of sloppy since Kawhi and Paul George were there, and they were the clear number one and number two on offense. Lou Williams is supposed to be the number two, especially off the bench. He was trying to be the number three, and whenever he was on the floor, be a one or a two. However, Rajon Rondo fills a need that had to be addressed. I think it is a perfect, perfect fit for Rajon Rondo and the Clippers. And yes, the Sixers, they get George Hill. They needed point guard depth. I think it works out for them. Now... Some of the big losers, I think the Raptors not getting rid of Kyle Lowry was a big mistake. Um, yes, they get rid of Norman Powell, but they get Gary Trent and Rodney Hood, who are, you know, we kind of know what these guys are. They're 3 and D players. They're, you know, not really in the beginning of their careers. They're more towards the middle-ish, closer to the end than the beginning of their careers. I don't love that move and you know you could have gotten assets for Kyle Lowry and now they're just most likely going to let him walk next year and uh, I don't I don't love that play. They're in that purgatory whereas the Magic went all in on a rebuild. They're kind of one foot in one foot out and I don't think that works especially in the NBA. I'm going to put a big loser on the Boston Celtics. Yes, they got Evan Fournier who is a 20 points per game scorer. 
But something about the Celtics is they're always in on these big player deals. They were also in on the Lowry idea. But Danny Ainge is so terrified to lose a trade that he just doesn't make any. So, yes, he gives up second-round picks for Evan Fournier. So, you know, what are you really losing when you give up second-rounders? But you get kind of a lackluster guy. He's probably going to come off the bench behind Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown. And, you know, it's a good move, but it's not a move that makes the Celtics any more of contenders than they actually are. So I don't really love the play from them. I just, I mean, yeah, they make a move that goes under the radar that no one really cares about, whatever. I, I just don't love the play. I don't understand what Danny Ainge is trying to do. You have to pull the plug at some point if you want to make the leap from a contender to a champion. And they refuse to make those moves. So I think that the Celtics, again, are losers at the deadline. And another big loser, they didn't make any direct trades other than getting rid of Victor Oladipo at the deadline. But the Rockets are a huge loser. You look at what came now from the James Harden deal. And as they shipped Oladipo, here are the current players that are Houston Rockets that they were able to get from the James Harden trade. Rodney Kurutz was there. He got shipped along with P.J. Tucker, so we're not counting anyone involved in that deal. So they have Dante Exum. They get Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. And congratulations, those are the players you acquired for James Harden. Obviously, four first-round picks, four pick swaps in the first round. But you lost James Harden, who has suddenly entered the MVP conversation playing with Brooklyn. He's one of their most important players. He probably is their most important player. So congratulations, Houston. You absolutely played yourself getting no good player in return for James Harden. At least Oladipo was someone you could sell the franchise on. Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, Dante Exum. Absolutely not. Embarrassing showing from the Houston Rockets. And then incompletes on the point on the uh, report card. Uh, Denver, I really think it'll be a good move, but I'm not really sure. I'm also high on what the Bulls were able to do. Uh, you know, getting Vucevic. They also got Daniel Tice from the Celtics. So, you know, providing a little depth behind Vucevic to kind of keep the pressure off him. So, you know, the incompletes go to Denver and Chicago, who outside of the Miami Heat, got, you know, two of the top three players that were eventually inevitably shipped at the deadline. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how they impact the team in the short term because I think that's what these moves really signified. Two players that didn't get dealt at the trade deadline, obviously, uh, Andre Drummond, LaMarcus Aldridge, they've both been bought out of their contracts and will be on the open market this weekend. We'll really see some traction. LaMarcus Aldridge, the teams involved on him, the Heat are the leaders in the clubhouse, according to multiple reports. He's also visiting the Nets, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Andre Drummond, really the same type of batch 
the Lakers and Nets are the top two teams in the conversations, and the New York Knicks also making a push for him. I think the best fit for Andre Drummond is Brooklyn, but I also think that would put Brooklyn so top of the clubhouse in terms of winning the NBA championship that I don't want to see it. I'd rather him go to the Lakers as the Lakers are trying to keep their heads above water with Anthony Davis and LeBron James out. They have not won a game since, and and they're not necessarily competing either with these guys on the bench. So Lakers, I think, are going to try to be very aggressive in getting him. But if he winds up going to Brooklyn, I I think it might be a wrap on the season. LaMarcus Aldridge, if he goes to Miami, I think they suddenly become the only team that could stop Brooklyn on the way to making the NBA Finals. Right now, I have Philly there. You know, obviously when Embiid comes back. But, you know, Miami has made some moves to make themselves legitimate contenders once again this year in the Eastern Conference. So, I think if they get LaMarcus Aldridge, that's really the open move, the the uh, position of need that Miami desperately needs to address. That power forward, big man depth. And I think if they're able to do that, then it will it will be interesting to see how the current seventh seed in the Eastern Conference plays in the last couple months of this regular season. All right, let's do some scheduling stuff and then we'll get out of here. Tonight, Friday, March 26th, doubleheader on ESPN. Celtics taking on the Bucks. Hawks taking on the Warriors in uh, the Oakland Bay area. I keep forgetting where they're located now. It's not Oakland. I, I keep saying that and it's incorrect. But in the Chase Center, wherever that may be in, in California, uh, a couple of very good games. The Hawks have been hot. Warriors looking to string together a couple of wins. Saturday, as the tournament is also restarting with the Sweet 16, only one game on NBA TV. It's the Sixers taking on the Clippers in Los Angeles at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Then Sunday night, one game, NBA TV, 9 p.m. Atlanta Hawks taking on the Denver Nuggets. Possibly a, you know, uh, inaugural game for Aaron Gordon as a Nugget, but don't necessarily know yet. And then Monday night, another NBA TV doubleheader. The Pelicans taking on the Boston Celtics. And the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. That's going to do it for this episode of the JP Hoops Podcast. Hopefully we get some big buyout news as to where Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge go before the Tuesday episode. If not, at least we will probably see some of these new faces in their new places making some noise. A really fun episode this week. A little longer, but I hope you guys enjoyed. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time.